What's going on, everyone? Chuck and Houdini with you. This is Chatterbox Bearcats. Today, we're talking a little state of the Bearcats, where the football team stands two games into the season, receiving votes now in the top 25, and we're also getting into the basketball team as Wes Miller enters year three, year number one in the Big 12, and the Jordan brand is back. We're getting into all this, but before we start the show, Asking you for a little favor. If you love the Bearcats and you like the show, you can obviously give it a listen before you make any judgments. But we're confident here. Give it a five star. Maybe toss a little comment and give it to your buddy so you can join the community. Because once basketball season begins, we're getting in some live shows on Chatterbox Sports. We're breaking down the Bearcats. It'll be good stuff. We'll even have that message board, the little live chat where people can get in there and be jackasses. Hopefully get some Xavier fans on board for the Crosstown shootout. So without further ado, for the first time this season, Houdini, opening thought. Scott Satterfield, man. He, uh, I mean, two games in, I'm, I'm not hating what I'm seeing. Um, like I said, when we started the season, I love that little Southern draw that he's got. And he, you know, he says program like program, which is always a good sign for me to see. Um, and I like the way guy. he's, yep. he didn't, he's a football guy. You're right. And I like the way that um, it's, we've won two different ways. Obviously Eastern Kentucky wasn't anything, you know, super special, but the way they put that offense together, I feel like usually in the fickle era, we win that game, you know, 24 to zero. We're not having, you know, 70 points. Um, so I'm liking what I'm seeing offensively because I know a lot of the, the Louisville fans were saying, you know, good luck with him on a third and 15. He runs a draw every time. I haven't seen that yet. We'll see. We got Miami coming up and we'll see. Um, the, the big one's going to be Oklahoma, obviously. We'll see if we can, you know, put up a good fight. Hopefully win that game. Why not? Uh, who impressed you most? from i guess let's just lump them together the first two games of the season it was emory jones and xavier henderson in game one it was Corey kiner in game two but he had a good outing in the first game of the year as well is there anyone specifically that you've seen that you've been like all right we are running the offense through him that is our workhorse this is how we're going to win football games and i'm thinking it's a running identity running and, and good defense but you tell me because our buddy broadbeck coach broadbeck the uh, defensive coordinator of the, the St. Xavier Bombers, he was coming at me thinking that I'm an absolute idiot for saying that this team's not going to be explosive offensively. I just do not see it, which is fine. Not every team needs to be. I think they could still win games uh, the old-fashioned way, which is how I think Scott Satterfield wants to do it. Yeah, I mean, I like – obviously, Kiner has been an absolute stud, and I love that Roger Bacon guy, right, rooting for the hometown kid. Love it. Um, but Emory Jones, I, I, I was in that group text as well. I, I disagree a little bit on your end. I think he has the ability to air it out. Um, we saw that a little bit in Florida. Um, Arizona State was kind of a weird ride anyway, so I, I think I'm going to just kind of nix that whole chapter of his career. But I think he does have that in him. We'll see when we, we play these real programs. But um, Pittsburgh, I don't think we needed it. We started out with a kind of a hot start. So we just started feeding Kiner the rock. And they almost came back and won that game. So out of those two, and, I, and honestly, our, my biggest thing was their defense has um, been pretty solid. And honestly, their O-line, which they said was a big question mark coming in, I thought they played pretty well so far. Granted, you know, it's been – we don't know what Pittsburgh really is. But they're a power five team, right? So I've been pretty excited about O-line play um, and the defense has showed up and we'll see what happens when we start playing some real programs here. 
Yeah, Pittsburgh was solid last year, and and going back to Emory Jones, it was Satterfield at halftime. They asked him about you know some of the play calling and why they were going so much with the run, and uh, after Emory Jones hot start passing the ball, why they weren't going back to the air, and he basically alluded to the fact that it was, hey, we're you know. We're taking what they're giving us. And as of right now, they're giving us these dump downs. They're giving us a lot of plays on the ground. They're not giving us as much over the top and over the middle. So maybe that has something to do with why Emory Jones wasn't flinging it around that much. He has the ability. Like you said, he's got really good arm strength. But everyone I've talked to that's a fan of the Arizona State Sun Devils, but specifically the Florida Gators, they just say he's not that accurate and you can't expect him to go out there and win you games. Now, if he does, I'd love to eat crow. Crow tastes delicious at all times, especially when it's your team. So I would love Emory Jones to go out there and be a gunslinger. I just think this team is not really built that way. And the 70 points is somewhat of a facade. And they're more of a team that's going to win these games in the 20s like they did at Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, but in the Big 12, we've seen uh, points are going to be, you're going to need to score some points, okay? You're not winning many Big 12 games 23 to 17, okay? So for the sake of the team and the over on the win-loss column, I think we're going to need to air it out. I need a little bit more, um, love the spelling of this dude's name, Xavier Henderson. Um, He only had, what, like two catches last week? Um, So I need a little bit more from him. Um, and I think we'll obviously Miami, let's not look ahead of Miami. They got Blaine Gabbert's brother. Don't forget that he tried to, uh, claim they were going to beat Miami, Florida. They lost by about 68 points. Um, but let's not overlook Miami, but, um, I think we're heading in the right direction. Long story short, I, I think so far so good with, uh, the new program and the new direction we're going in. The last time that the Miami Redhawks beat the Bearcats, because you remember, I mean, growing up when we were in middle school, we're the same age, same graduating class. Uh, 2007, we graduated middle school. And it was five, six years before that when we were in first, second, third grade, where Miami was legitimately the better team in this series consistently. They had Roethlisberger. Uh, They just had better teams. Not that they were anything special. It was just Cincinnati was an atrocity. For the last 20 years, it's been all you see. Do you still consider this a rivalry? I went to OU. You went to OU. So with that being said, we always like kicking Miami's tail. We got the real bricks in Athens, Ohio. Um, Miami... They just love throwing chips on a sandwich and calling it gourmet food at that bagel deli that they're obsessed with over there. But I don't think it's a rivalry anymore. At this point, Miami's getting up for UC. Now, it did get pretty wild, that basketball game there a few years ago where Millette Hall was just packed, and they showed up for it, and that brought the spark back in basketball. But in football, until they actually take down the Bearcats, this is pretty much just a a Cincinnati money line all day for me. Add it to your parlay. Yeah, no, the, the the rivalry in football is is no longer there. I mean, you'd have to be a complete jackass to think it is. There's probably some diehard Miami guy that really gets up for this game. Um, but no, I, I don't think we, we were in a, the college football playoff a couple years ago. You think we're considering Miami of Ohio and football a rivalry? No, no, we're not because we're at another we're at another level as a program right now. Now, if you talk basketball, anybody can win those games. You know, Miami, Ohio, as we've seen, can beat UC. NKU can beat UC. And that goes for even the big, the bigger programs. I mean, the basketball is just a different animal. You can lose those games to the lesser programs. But 
football, and hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass and Miami wins this game by 14. But um, no, I don't, I don't think anyone can claim it's a rivalry at this point. I'm looking at their schedule right now, UCs. And after Miami, they have Oklahoma, then it's at BYU, Iowa State, Baylor, at Oklahoma State, UCF, at uh, Houston, at West Virginia, and Kansas. And when I see that Big 12 schedule and – you look at that UC avoids Texas, Kansas State, and TCU. I mean, they got the best draw of anyone in the entire Big 12, avoiding those three teams and getting Oklahoma at home. The schedule is set up for this team to be pretty good. Now, no one gave Satterfield a chance. I think part of it was due to the fact that so many players left. The other half of it had to do with, I genuinely think that people just did not like the hire for whatever reason. And then those Louisville fans chiming in saying, enjoy them. He's terrible. That didn't help either. But I am a firm believer that he was an up-and-coming coach at Appalachian State, turned around Louisville pretty quickly and instilled at least some culture there. And for whatever reason, people turned on him. I don't think this is a John Brannon situation. Um, I I think Satterfield was the right hire. I look at that schedule and I see maybe eight, nine wins. But hell, until they play Oklahoma and we get a real gauge of this team, Playoffs are bust, baby. Let's get back to the playoffs. Let's win the Big 12. Let's face Texas this year. Win all your games, you face Texas. Let's do it. I mean, why not? Why not? And the way I look at it is, while people weren't necessarily ecstatic about it, and that's because it wasn't that sexy of a hire, you have Deion Sanders, you know, wearing a full-blown cowboy outfit coming into the 50-yard line of Colorado. Obviously, Satterfield's not that guy. He's not going to, you know, electrify the people that much. But as we saw, remember Tuberville? We thought that was a home run hire. It ended up being the worst hire we've ever had. Um, get a job! Throw Electric, to hell. by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it kind of proves the show. You don't really know what you're getting until you really get into these games. And it's so early, so this could go either way right now. But um, I, I feel pretty good. The schedule, like you said, is favorable. That, you know, if we come out looking, you know, like a solid team at the end of this year, I think we're we're heading in the right direction. And um, Big 12 championship or bust. Big 12 championship or bust. Yeah. And, and, and Fickle lost over the weekend to Washington State. Always good seeing Fickle lose. And I know everyone says, build the statue. He turned this program into a contender. Once you're gone, I don't give a damn. I mean, thank you for your service, Luke. You said Cincinnati is not better than Wisconsin and you moved your family across the way over to the land of cheese. Enjoy. I, I have no ill will towards you, but when you lose, I'm not going to be upset about it. Go Washington state. No, I didn't big, shed big any tears. For the I didn't shed any tears. People were acting like Wisconsin was going to be unreal this year too. So, I mean, what, whatever. See you, Fick. Thank you for what you did, but uh, you have moved on and so have I. We got a hot piece of ass named Scotty uh, Satterfield on our hands. All right. I've moved on. He's turned around this program, baby. He's turned around this program. You got to get someone in there that says the word. I think Dabo was a program guy back in the day and he won a couple of national titles, at least one. So and now he's starting guy. to say program. Now he's starting yeah. to say program. And that's what you've seen that program turn into shit. I was a little scared though, when he came in and all the Louisville fans were not even the fans, it was the players that turned against him and said, traitor, all this and all that. Because the last time Cincinnati went out and got one of those coaches that left in a dicey way was Tommy Tuberville, where he was at that dinner eating like some fillets 
And actually he, he was eating his hors d'oeuvres at that point. He was eating his, his Freddie salad and he got a little call. He went to the bathroom at Cincinnati and he said, love it. Texas stinks. And he walked right out the back door and they never heard from him again. So that's what scared me with Scott, but so far so good. Seems like the players like him. Culture's good. And the cats are two and L. All right, transitioning to basketball now, the state of the Bearcats basketball program, a year after they had improved from the prior season, making the NIT and losing to Utah Valley and Aziz Bandango, who's now on the team. Uh, last time that happened with Rapalus Ivanowskis, um, it didn't work out nearly as well. But I think Bandango may be the truth for this Cincinnati Bearcats team. What to you would be a successful first season in the Big 12 for Wes Miller? Because we're kind of in different camps here. You want to give Wes Miller 10 years. I say give him four. I didn't say 10 years. That's hearsay. Okay. You guys, um, you guys make I just it seem love, that way. And I mean, it all comes down to, listen, I just love everything that Wes Miller is about. I get happy when I hear the guy talking. Uh, that's not, I don't say that about many other men in this world. When Wes Miller is in the radio or on my TV, I start, I, I can't help but to get a little smile on my face. It's real passion. I just believe it is. I believe what the guy's saying. And I'm like, if this can't translate to the court, I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, that being said, we need to have a, a very productive season. Um, I know we're getting into the Big 12, but we should be able to be competing in the Big 12 day in and day out. Um, I think that, it, it all comes down to what is the eligibility going to be like for Aziz, Jamil Reynolds? Because if we don't have those guys, I am not going to be extremely confident in our roster because we need, we saw what happened. We played the guy at uh freaking where, where was he at? Utah tech or some shit. Utah Valley. He dominated Utah Valley. He dominated us. And the fact that we were able to poach him is great, but I think it all comes down to those waivers. And I don't know if you got any inside information or we need to ask Dan Horde himself, um, but that's going to be what the season comes down to, I believe. That's tease. We're getting Dan Horde on the show next week, so be sure to subscribe so that episode pops up on your phone. Aziz Bandango last year, 11 points per game, uh, 10 rebounds per game, three blocks. So the dude averaged a double double and you say, all right, well, he went to Utah Valley. He wasn't playing against anyone played against Cincy and put up 15 and 10 and then followed that up with 14 and 13 against UAB in the title. I have no idea. There have been no rumors that have come out about them potentially being granted eligibility. I would say Bandago has a better chance since his is due to mental health and wanting to get closer to home. I, I don't know. What I do know, and this is this is a fact, is that Cincinnati and Wes Miller specifically is going to be in a tough position if they run out Odio Guama, Victor Locken, and Sage Tolentino as their three centers in the Big 12. Unless Odio Guama had some monstrous transformation in the offseason, and it does look like he put on some muscle, and I thought he got a lot better as the season progressed last year. But if he that is flashes. your answer... If that is your answer in the Big 12, we're in trouble. So I think Wes, I'm not going to say his job relies on it because he's got a couple more years here, no doubt about it, to prove what he can do. But in terms of going into next season, feeling pretty good about where things stand, those guys have got to be eligible. Because if not, it's near the bottom of the Big 12. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. You know, unless our freshman, you know, Edron James's son, Jizzle, 
is a freak beyond what we can comprehend, which you can never rely on freshmen. And a lot of it's going to come down to Day-Day Thomas, the JUCO transfer, too. I mean, what is he going to bring to the table? Because that's he's going to be a pretty important player. Um, we'll see what he turns into. You never know with the JUCO guys. I mean, he could be a absolute stud, or he could be a guy that shouldn't even see the floor. Um, but to your point, we need some positive momentum. And without those two guys... I I'm I'll still, you know, have the irrational faith that we're going to win all these games, but Odie and, and Victor Lockin and, and our boy Sage, I love Sage, but he's going to play against the, against Kansas. That that's, that's the answer. That's what we're going to do. So I hope to God, at least one of the two, if one of the two guys is eligible, I'll feel pretty good about it. If we get both, that'd be great. But from what I've been seeing, a lot of these guys aren't um, getting those waivers. So they're being a little more, you know, sticklers on this, which doesn't look great for kind of the outlook here. It makes no sense because it seems like collegiate sports at this point don't care about anything. I mean, truly give zero Fs about anything. And now they're starting to deny these waivers after all these COVID eligibilities are finally running out. They're trying to get things back to normal as players are making, you know, up to $6 million just to sign four-star recruits. We're not even talking about the big ones. So I don't know what they're doing with these waivers, but there's no doubt about it. Bandango, he needs to be eligible. Reynolds would help too, but Bandango's your guy. I think that's the best player on this team this season if he's eligible. You mentioned the freshmen. Uh, there's a couple of them that I'm excited about. Rayvon Griffith and Jizzle James. Now, I always wonder, like, are these guys good shooters? Because you watch their highlight tapes, and there's no doubt about it, they're electric. Rayvon Griffith is super athletic. Um, Jizzle James is a little stocky, tough. Um, a winner is what Wes Miller called him. Playmaker, like a throwback Bearcat guard. Good defensively. He's going to get after you. Griffith is a little more lanky that I could see him being a horrible shooter and, you know, just not having the greatest handle and just being kind of an athlete that needs to be molded. But I looked at their numbers, both pretty good. Jizzle James shot at 39% from three as a senior, uh, 50% for the floor. Now, in his junior and sophomore year, only shot at 30% and 34% from deep. But your hope is that he, you know, turned around his stroke as a senior and he's somewhere in between that 39 and 30% and he can be 35% from deep. And you'd absolutely take that. And then Rayvon Griffith, he hovered around 40% from three in his high school career on some volume. So apparently both those guys can shoot. You add in CJ Frederick who went at Iowa was the best shooter in the country talking 45 plus percent volume shooting. Um, then you throw in Dan skillings. Could he get better after really showing promise last year? He just couldn't hit the, uh, the broad side of a barn aside from that though, showed athleticism and, and really could finish around the cup day day Thomas, 84% from the line. That tells me he's a good shooter. Um, and, and you add him to the fold, the Seamus Lukosius guy from Butler who averaged 11 points and was their second leading scorer last year. John Newman, we completely forgot about him. He played a pretty pivotal role in that team that wasn't good two years ago, but he was a starter. Uh, Josh Reed, he single-handedly covered last year against the Arizona Wildcats in that in that Maui game, they were down like 17 and a nine point spread with a minute to go. And he hit about three threes to cover the spread by himself. That was big time. And, um, then we look at the, the twin towers. It's, 
It's Tolentino at seven one, Bandago at seven foot. We'll say triplets. Reynolds at six ten. We'll add it to what do you call a foursome at that point? Catorplets, because uh, Obama's six absolutely. Locking six eleven, so you got five guys on this team that are about seven foot. They got some big boys. That's kind of the breakdown of the team. I don't know if I'm missing anyone there. Who are you most excited to see aside from the freshmen? Because you've talked about them a lot and how excited you are to see Griffith and uh, Jizzle. I mean, we'll say Aziz and Jamil. We'll put them kind of on the sidelines until they're eligible. Um, Simus and Fredericks are my two guys. Fredericks, obviously. Um, Hometown kid. Can I stop you there real the quick? That, Can I stop you there real quick? Yeah. Uh, it's Simos. Simos. No, it's honest, Simus. Honest mistake, Simus. Honest mistake. Simus. Uh, Simus. And then, then so Frederick. And then Frederick, not Fredericks. But that happens. At the beginning of every season, I always look at the roster and I'm like, oh, it's Corn TTT DeBerry. Or I, you know, say some name wrong. It's Asgruni Suleiman. Simos is that guy this year. Looks like Simus. Simos Lukosius. Go ahead. All right, so Simus, right? That's what you said it is? Yeah, Simus. <laughs> um, Simos, okay, and CJ Frederick, excuse me. Um, those are the two guys I'm most excited to see because, I mean, look at what, as far as the portal, just give it up for Wes. I mean, he got pretty much everything that we wanted minus a, a starting caliber point guard, but we got Dede Thomas. We'll see what he does from JUCO. But Simos. C.J. Frederick, Aziz, and Jamil Reynolds. I mean, that's a hell of a haul uh, when we were talking portal. But Frederick was always the guy that Mick Cronin so badly needed that he would just never get. Instead, we'd get, you know, what's his name? What, what's his name that I'm thinking of that I'm, I'm blanking you're thinking on right of, now? You're thinking of Titus Rubles. God, Titus. Great kid, great kid. But my God, that jump shot was broken. And it was severely broken. So instead of Titus Rubles, we got C.J. Frederick, who was literally the best shooter in college basketball, arguably, when he was playing at Iowa. Had a down year with Kentucky, but I'm kind of going to throw that one out. I find it hard to believe that he won't um, be at least a lethal three-point shooter, which we so badly need. Um, and then Seamus, Seamus, excuse me, you got in my head now. Um, He's a playmaker and he's huge and he can shoot as well. So I'm excited to see those two probably the most because the other guys, um, skillings, you got to throw him in there too because he could make a massive leap. So he could end up being one of our best players this year. He's got all the tools. So we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of guys I'm excited about. It's hard to just name one. That's the issue with it. I mean, Josh Reed coming into this year, I could see him. He's got a good frame. Maybe he turns things around and is a little more confident out there and starts making some plays. Who knows? I always like entering a season where you have no idea um, what is going to happen, but you do look down the roster and see like four or five guys that you're like, that could be a player. Add in Lockton and some of these guys that are already good players, in my opinion, because I'm a Victor Lockton guy. I've told you I'm a Victor Lockton guy from day one. The, th the one thing that scares me, though, and I'm wondering if it's a coaching thing or if it's just a byproduct from having Landers Nolly and David DeJulius and, and Jeremiah Davenport on your team. We forget how bad that shot selection was last year at times. I mean, Wes let him, Wes let him. He, he gave him the green light. Wes let them let it fly at all times with no repercussions. Is that something you're expecting more of this year? Or is that just a byproduct of having to Julius who 
was going to take bad shots one way or the other. I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with the roster construction. Um, there was a lot of games where it really just seemed like it was the Julius and Landers versus the entire other roster. I mean, they were just doing everything. They were, and some of the times Landers would make the some of the dumbest shots I've ever seen. He was like you in pickup basketball. He would just do a step back fadeaway from the corner and still hit a three from 30 feet out with a guy in his face. So it's kind of hard to tell a guy like that, hey, don't shoot that, because he was shooting at a pretty um, impressive clip. Um, but I would hope that, because to your point, I think we got a little too run and gun where we were just, I mean, first catch, especially God love Davenport but he had some of the dumbest shots you will ever see on a, a college basketball court. I mean, it was atrocious. So um, hopefully that alone will clean up some of the shot selection. And I think we have more playmakers on this roster. Obviously, you have to see how some of these transfers pan out. But um, I'm a little more confident in the shot selection this year. There's a large Bearcat fan base out there that and some people like when I'm living in San Francisco and talking to some of my friends about Bearcat basketball in September, they're like, who do college basketball in September? Who cares? It's NFL season. But I've been on enough of these Bearcat forums to know that there are people that care about this stuff year round and they want to know a starting five right now. Do you want me to start with my starting five or do you have yours ready to go? No, give me yours and I'll critique. All right. I'm thinking at the point guard position. We're going Day-Day Thomas. I think out of the gate, Day-Day Thomas starts. Now, could Jizzle James work his way into the lineup? Maybe we get a little platoon system. Maybe we get one working off the ball. Maybe Day-Day is a small shooting guard, possibly. But I think it starts off with Day-Day Thomas as the point guard. They really like him as a defender, gets up in your face, athletic, fastest guy on the team. He controls the pace. Day-Day Thomas at the one. At the two, I'll go with... um. I'll go with CJ Frederick. I think they'll start Frederick for his shooting ability. A uh, catch and shoot guy can play the two. So I, I like him there. At the three, I think it's between Skillings and Newman. I mean, would they put Skillings at the four? I don't know. I'm going to go Skillings just because we, we already have Frederick in there as the veteran. We have Day-Day Thomas in there as the Juco point guard over the freshman point guard. So let's go with the young guy. Dan Skillings is in there at the three. At the four, I'm going to put Victor Locken. And at the five, I'm going to put Bandago. But if the if the Locken-Bandago thing just does not work out because the Twin Towers in college basketball sometimes is an issue, then I would probably put Lukosius in there as well. He can shoot it a little bit. And um, yeah, I'd probably put Lukosius in there at the four. But that's the good thing about this roster right now. You look up and down. I mean, maybe Griffith is a wild card to, to be in the starting lineup, and he's a baller from day one. I know that he was impressive in AAU and in high school. We'll see, man. It's exciting times, though. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you pretty much took my my starting five. I think it's totally going to depend on who we're playing as far as I don't necessarily love the idea of locking and Aziz out there because that's going to hurt spreading the floor a little bit. If we could get, if, if CMOS could um, figure out how to, if, if, if he can play the four at any decent level on the defensive end, I'd much rather have him at the four and then we can flip in Jameel Reynolds, um, lock in Odie. We have a platoon of guys that can play that four or five. But to start out and spread that floor, I think that might be our best lineup. And like you said, Rayvon, Jizzle, any of those guys, I 
I don't think Wes is going to start a freshman. I don't know when the last time we've done that is, um, but it could happen just depending on how things go. But day, day Fredericks, Skillings, Simus and Aziz. That's my best five right there. Yeah. I go Lukosius at the four thinking about it too, because the, uh, the, the two bigs down there, it does sound like it would get a little congested. I like the thought of it. I always like the thought of two seven footers on the floor at the same time, but even Purdue doesn't do that. So yeah, I'd probably throw Lukosius at the four and, uh, because Oguama doesn't really spread the floor at the four either. There are just too many bodies on this roster right now. I don't know how Wes is going to make it all work, but I say that every year. I talk about how deep the cats are. And then by like game six of the season, I'm like, oh, that Jarrett Hensley guy who I thought was going to add to the deepness of this team hasn't played in like a month for some reason. So any final thoughts on the show today uh, about the state of the Bearcats basketball and football programs? I like to think they're in good hands right now with both coaches. I'm leaning towards Satterfield, though having a more ready team to compete than the hoop squad. I know people will disagree with me, but I'm just going up and down this roster and there's not a lot of proven talent there yet. There is talent, but not a lot of it's proven. So show it to me first. I think Satterfield has shown to me that he's got a pretty good team this year. I could see the Bearcats win in nine games. They're only two games in Chuck. So everybody settle down, but um, I think they're both in good hands. I think the future's bright on both ends. Um, I'm, I got full faith in Wes, as you know, Wes go, as they say. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, we're going to learn a lot. Let's just put it that way. We'll learn a lot as the season goes on in football and then we'll see what happens with the, with the basketball team. Again, the waivers, that's going to be the biggest thing. So got to wait and see Cincinnati and Miami this weekend. That's a 4 PM kick. And yeah, that does it for the show today. Chatterbox Bearcats. This is Chuck. This is Houdini. Tell your friends and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>